Want to listen to this Ivory Tower Boiler Room or True Crime and Academia episode ad-free? Head on over to our Patreon where I'm giving you all seven days of a free trial. So patreon.com backslash Ivory Tower Boiler Room. And if you join the ITBR professor level, which you'll see gets you access to all of our rewatch podcast series like Queer as Folk and Smash, and all of our Teaches series, including when we rewatched Scream with you all, when we discussed The Exorcist, we're about to do a Britney Spears memoir episode. So, oh, and The Fall of the House of Usher is coming up. You also get access to both book clubs. And while you're at it, while you're joining our Patreon, where you're getting your seven days for free, I would really love if you Make sure you like and follow us on Apple or Spotify, and please leave a review. It really does help us in terms of advertisers and sponsors. Thank you all for listening to the Ivory Tower Boiler Room Network, and it is just wonderful to be part of this arts and culture organization and have you all out there reach out to me. So again, remember, follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Ivory Tower Boiler Room. And we have a Facebook and we're on X as well. Enjoy this episode, everyone. True Crime friends, welcome back to another episode of True Crime in Academia. I am your host, Mary DePippi. I hope you are all having a wonderful day. I hope you all had a wonderful week. The holidays are quickly approaching. Um, some of my presents are coming in, which I'm really excited because I just love like wrapping and decorating presents. So I'm kind of in my uh, present decorating era right now. I'm loving it. So I actually have some more coming later today. So I can't wait to wrap those. If I uh, sound weird or like sniffle a lot, I'm not feeling great. Um, Little under the weather. No, it's not COVID. Thankfully, I tested and I'm negative. Um, But I think there's just like a virus or something going around or cold or whatever. So, you know, I'm just trying to wait that shit out. Drinking a lot of cranberry juice and some seltzer water, a lot of water, a lot of tea. So, you know, just trying to, you know, get back on the mend, if you will. Also, this will be the last episode of True Crime in Academia between now and the new year. Um, ITBR and True Crime are taking off for the holidays. Um, I forget when we're coming back in January. Literally, Andrew just told me, but I think it's like the first or second week in January. So we'll be back then. And uh, yeah, you know, just make sure to catch up on everything if you need to. Um, we'll be posting clips from pre old episodes and stuff, you know, to give you guys some suggestions for things to listen to. <clears throat> but yeah. So without any further ado, let's get into this news update, shall we? 
a fourth allegation and lawsuit has come against Sean P. Diddy Diddy Combs. Again, this is the fourth allegation against him so far, actually within a month. Now, this lawsuit alleges that the rapper and mogul, along with others, trafficked and sexually assaulted a 17-year-old girl in 2003. A lawsuit was filed last Wednesday. This comes after two others and Cassie Ventura, uh, the R&B singer who sang the song Me and You back in the day. I used to love that song. Um, They had a relationship. She came forward um, sometime last month. You know, stating that Sean P. Diddy, Diddy Combs, had, you know, sadly sexually assaulted her and she was pressing charges. So since then, like I said, two other women and now this fourth woman have come forward. Um, This woman, the fourth, she is remaining unnamed. She stated that she was in the 11th grade or her junior year when she met a man named Harvey Pierre. Or maybe it's Harv Pierre. Either way, Pierre was um, the president of Combs Bad Boy Records at that time. And the two met at a Detroit lounge. Now, Pierre told her that he was best friends with P. Diddy, Diddy Sean Combs, before then getting him on the phone and having the woman, unnamed woman, speak to him. On the phone... Combs persuaded the woman to take a private jet with Pierre and another unnamed person to his recording studio in New York, which was where he was at the time. Once they arrived, she said that she was allegedly supplied with drugs and alcohol and then was sadly allegedly raped by Sean P. Diddy Combs and the other men who were at the recording studio. She was able to supply pictures of her assault and, you know, he is in them. Of course, you know, Sean P. Diddy, Diddy Combs is strongly denying these claims. I mean, of course he is. I mean, what else is he going to do? Admit to it? I mean, until, you know, because technically, and I'm not saying it's right because I think he is guilty of sin. So, you know, um... You know, he is technically should be innocent until proven guilty. However, given the evidence, even though it has not been decided by a court, you know, it kind it's pretty damning. And I don't know. I'm not surprised. When I heard it, I was kind of like, yeah, he kind of seems like an R. Kelly type. And we all know how that ended. So, yeah. I mean, I hate that it happened to all of these women. Um I didn't even know that he had dated Cassie, but now that, like, seeing her report and kind of remembering more, I kind of do remember that. But it was so freaking long ago, you know, that could be why I don't remember either. Um, You know, either way, I hope these women are able to get some sort of justice. Um, Another thing that is concerning, it seems that, um, you know, Diddy is also kind of potentially violent um it could be total coincidence again none of this is proven but it you know apparently according to cassie in her um report it said that he had threatened uh rapper and singer kid cuddy (laughs) for like the two of them like cassie and him having a thing 
and threatened to blow up his car. And sure enough, that happened. Again, could be coincidence, could have been something totally different. We don't know. That's all alleged anyway. But if that is true, I mean, regardless, these women are brave. But even more so, like, if they settle in court, then, you know, you know, at least they got their story out there. It doesn't mean that it's not true. But given that instance in particular coincidence what what have you I could I could see why they would maybe choose a settlement because at that point it could be very risky you know so just moving forward as more developments I don't know if we'll talk more about this um as it comes out but you know if you guys see it and that's what eventually what winds up happening you know I'm not saying don't be surprised but also don't hold it against the the victims you know because this could (laughs) be for a safety reasons you know our next story takes us to australia an australian mother kathleen fulbig who was known as australia's worst serial killer was freed this past june and yesterday was officially cleared of having been wrongfully convicted of murdering her four children Now, I know you're probably like, wait a minute, how did she get exonerated for that? We're going to just give it a second. Don't jump to conclusions. Now, Kathleen had spent already like 20 years in prison at this point. And yesterday, like I said, she was completely cleared of their deaths because of an independent inquiry that found reasonable doubt with her, you know, subsequent conviction. Because new scientific evidence showed that the children's death, all four of her children's deaths, may have been caused by genetic factors. Now, the young children died over a 10-year span. So basically what would happen is she would become pregnant. She would have the child. Before the child even reached a year, the child would die, uh, like, you know, unexpectedly. And then eventually she would wait a couple years or so, you know, obviously for grief and other, you know, trauma reasons, and then would have another child. And then this just kept happening and happening and happening. And sadly, you know, because of the time that it was, I mean, it wasn't too long ago. I mean, obviously it was 20 years ago. And you would think we would have the scientific like information and technology, but actually we didn't. So a lot of people just thought, excuse me, the notion of one dead child's a tragedy, two is suspicious, and three is murder. So that was kind of the mindset of, and, you know, of the jury and the angle of the prosecution. So that's why, sadly, she was put away for so long, and there wasn't, like I said, enough information at the time. Kathleen's attorneys are actually looking to create an independent review commission for all the Australian states. So that way her situation doesn't happen to anyone else ever again. And Red Handed Podcast, um, they had a really good episode on this case. It's episode number 257. They've also re-uploaded the um excuse me, they also re-uploaded the case because of the developments that occurred this past June. So you can check those out if you want to learn more about this case. 
43-year-old Jason Boudreau, an inmate of the California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation and self-proclaimed Satanist, has been charged in a prison stabbing of Kristen Smart's killer, Paul Flores. This is not Boudreau's first prison charge or in prison charge, I should say. He is serving an additional life sentence on top of the one he was given for the crime that he's in prison for. Was for fatally strangling his cellmate, the I-5 strangler, 81-year-old Roger Kibb. Or Kibby. I'm not sure how to pronounce that name. Boudreaux is being charged with attempted murder, with the use of a deadly weapon, assault by an inmate serving a life sentence, Assault with a deadly weapon by an inmate and possession of an inmate manufactured weapon, a.k.a. most likely a shank. Now, Jason's initial life sentence for, like I said, the crime that he was in there initially was for the 2010 murder of his ex-girlfriend. But even before that, he had a record because he had been charged in 2004 for sexually assaulting a minor. At first, I kind of thought, like, maybe he was, like, vigilante killing these men. But then I read the part about the Satanism and then his crimes again. And I was kind of just like, no. I mean, again, I have no... This is just my opinion. I have no, like, hard facts that prove this because he didn't even say why he did it. But I'm assuming it must have had to do with some sort of, like, sacrifice ritual, you know? But anyway, you know, he's already locked up. I mean, I <laughs> I have a feeling he'll be back in the news again, maybe. Just because it seems like, you know, he's got nothing else to lose. He's already in for life. I mean, what are they going to do? Add more life sentences? You know what I'm saying? Our last case really just boils my blood. Dozens of animals have been found dead, some even dismembered, at a Virginia zoo called the Natural Bridge Zoo. This comes as part of an animal cruelty investigation by state authorities. Two search warrants were executed by the Virginia State Police and Attorney General's Office. They were able to seize 95 living animals and 27 deceased. Of the deceased animals include cranes, servals, an alligator, a llama, and a macaw. Most recently, a white Bengal tiger had to be euthanized after the recommendation from a vet specialist who had examined the animal and ruled that that would be the most humane way to end the animal suffering. Now, according to the warrant, some of the deceased were dismembered, like I had mentioned. This includes, and if you... Do not want to hear this, please just skip. The dismembered body parts included a giraffe head, zebra legs, and a mandrill head. Several animals were found in filthy conditions and without food and water. Police worked with a criminal informant who was working at the zoo at the time. The CI also claimed that they were encouraged by other staff to hurt and abuse the animals to, quote, gain respect through fear, end quote. Other claims from the CI include giving animals the wrong medication and giving certain animals expired medication. The zoo owners, Carl and Pamela Morganson, have not said anything about these claims, only that 
through their attorney, they haven't been given enough time to put together a defense. Which, you know, that's just a legality issue there. You know, like a technicality, I should say. Not a legality, but a technicality. Um, So they really haven't said anything about, you know, whether these claims are true or not. Um, So we will see what happens with this. But um, I'm just curious why as to they weren't on Tiger King. Like, Tiger King just completely missed these people. They would have had another, like, you know, sad to say. Like, I hate that these poor animals we're being treated this way you know and i'm just trying to give some levity like trying to make myself laugh which i'm sorry if that's coming off crude but like you know you know technically like i was saying netflix could have had another sensation on their hands with them but oh my god just horrific and you know this is why like i have such a conflict with zoos because i would love to see these majestic and amazing beautiful creatures up close you know and in person um you know but obviously that means taking them away from their natural habitats and putting them in a position to be completely reliant and dependent on humans and thus all of their instinct goes away which is why it's not necessarily humane for animals to be returned to the wild Um, A lot of cases they need to be returned to some sort of reserve where there's still very like there's actually less human contact, but there's still an ability for them to be fed and cared for. Um, But yeah, I mean, this is just (laughs) horrific. So, you know, because I mean, that's what we do here at True Crime and Academia. We're just jumping from one morgan. One Morgan, one morbid topic to the other. But real quick, we're going to take a quick break before we get into this week's case. A serial killer in Belgium that called Le Prof, because you've guessed it, he was a professor. So, like I said, we're going to take a quick break and we'll, then we're going to get right into this week's case. Hi, this is Dr. Andrew Rimby. And when I'm not here on the podcast, I am consulting with small businesses, undergraduate students, graduate students, podcasters, and those in media. So if you're curious about the work that I've done with my consultation services, you could just type me in on Google, Ivory Tower Boiler Room, and you'll see a few reviews pop up. I've worked on college admission essays for undergraduate students. I've revamped and expanded a small business's social media marketing campaign right here in Port Jefferson, New York. And I've also worked on a graduate student's thesis for her physician assistant program. So if you want to seek me out or inquire about my consultation services, just email me. That's the easiest way to reach me at ivorytowerboilerroom at gmail.com. That's easy to remember. And tis the season for college admission essays, both undergraduate and graduate, thesis writing, dissertation writing. Um, Do you want to create a podcast and you don't know where to begin? Media work, um, how to open a TikTok, how to start creating videos on TikTok, what to do with your Instagram, all of that I have done. So just reach out to me. Also, I'm really excited to announce that the December book club choice is Britney Spears's The Woman in Me memoir. So to join the book club, 
head to ivorytowerboilerroom.com and go to events and you're going to see a form there just so I know how many of you are joining the book club. And that way I can reach out to each of your email addresses and poll all of you to see what date at the end of December works. It's going to be the week after Christmas. So don't worry. It's not going to be the week of Christmas. That would be hectic. And then I'll let you all know how to join the book club, which happens on Patreon. You just join under the ITBR book club section. So can't wait to see who wants to discuss Britney Spears. We have a lot to dissect there. And in the also, if you want to join the Wicked Broadway Musical group event, which is happening in March, head to that event section on the website and fill out that Google form by December 1st. Ah, so much happening here in the Ivory Tower Boiler Room, and I love this community. I love being the host and director of this arts and culture organization. Thank you all for supporting me. It means so much. And please spread the word for my consultation services for the podcast, the book club, the Broadway musical, group event, all the things. And without further ado, here's today's episode. Happy winter. Happy holidays. I hope you all are merry and bright out there. I am here in Port Jefferson, New York on Long Island in one of my favorite stores. It is the Soapbox NY, a bath and body boutique. I'm here with one of the co-owners, Janine. Hi, Janine. Happy holidays. Hi, Andrew. How are you? Thank you. Good. So I know you have many winter scents to walk us through. So let's yes. get started because there's a lot to talk about and it's exciting so what is this that i'm holding this is a hand wash by one of our favorite companies greenwich bay uh, it's a gingerbread scent which is wonderful very christmasy very holiday-ish and you can follow it up by using greenwich bay's lotion is a hand and body lotion and to keep with that gingerbread scent is a um, sugar whip scrub it's a body scrub that you could use in the shower and it's by a company called primal elements and it's something I'm actually using currently. And I said to Janine, and she always laughs, uh, that I really feel like I'm in Santa's bakery. So, oh, it is so yummy. It's a good one. And then what are these adorable little yeah. soap gifts? Jumping back to Greenwich Bay. This is a great little grab-and-go gift. Uh, great for a stocking stuffer. There are mini soaps by Greenwich Bay. And it just gives you a little sample of some of their mini soaps to try. Ooh, peppermint, yeah. mistletoe, holly. Yeah, it's wonderful. Cranberry. Yeah, and there's some um, red in there too. And then what is this room spray? This is from company Michelle Design Works, another one of our favorites. Room spray that you can use any room in your house, just kind of freshens up the room a bit. And what is this by Michelle Design Also Works? by Michelle Design Works is Winter Blooms, one of their new scents this holiday season. It's great. It's um, a hand wash. You can use it in your kitchen or your bathroom. And then here's and something to follow it up with. Exactly. It's a hand and body lotion. And then what is this beautiful decorative candle here? One of our favorites that we actually sell mm. all year round because it's so popular. This is the scent of Fraser Fur by Times. I think I'm becoming addicted to it. Yes. I think you are because you already own one, I believe. I own one <laughs> and it is a decorative candle for me because I'm about to open it, but it's just in such I know the packaging a beautiful is, package. I don't know what's better, the packaging or the scent. I'm using it wonderful. as a holiday decoration. So cool. I'll get to the candle eventually, everyone. But it's wonderful because with Times and their Fraser Fur, not only do they carry the candles, but they also make it in the sense in the diffuser, in soap, the hand lotion, the um, the hand soap. It's just a great line and a great scent. We're going to be Fraser Furred 
uh, crazed this holiday season. I love it. And yeah. then what are these so adorable pajamas? My friends next to me, uh, a company called Hello Mellow. But these pajamas are so comfy. We have the t-shirts with the pajama pants. These happen to be the Nutcrackers, one of my favorite this holiday season. And then they have the night shirts too. And they're so comfy. And it says, oh, what but fun, fun. with the little Santa hat. Yes, and we have others as well. So Janine, how can everyone out there get their hands on your hand and body and even pajama products? Well, we'd be more than happy to see you in our shop. We're located at 18 Chandler Square in Port Jefferson Village. You could always call us to place an order. We're happy to ship to you. Our phone number is 631-509-1424. You can place an order on our website, soapboxny.com. And you could also find us on Instagram or TikTok at the soapboxny. So many options. Mm -hmm. I can't wait for all of you out there to just enjoy what I love so much about the Soapbox NY. So with yeah, that, thank you so much. Happy winter, everyone. And this is going to keep you all, especially in the Northeast, merry and cheery with our cold, dark days. Yes, I know they're coming, unfortunately, but we'll yeah. survive. But this will get you that pep right, in your, your spirits. Exactly. I think so too. Yes. There we go. Happy yes. holidays. Happy Bye, holidays. Everyone. Thank you. LGBT stories are universal, but each one speaks to the individual heart and soul of the writer telling it. Do you have a story to tell? Or have you been moved by an LGBT book, film, painting, television show, or other form of media? Then the Gay and Lesbian Review wants to hear from you. The GNLR believes in bringing awareness to queer art and artists through reviews, commentary, and thought pieces in which the author relates their personal lives to a particular piece of art, a novel, a movie. In addition to the print magazine, the GNLR also publishes articles on its blog. So you can see all of this on glreview.org. That's G-L-R-E-V-I-E-W.org. Remember, you get 50% off your subscription of the GL Review magazine when you use the promo code ITBR50. That's 50% off your print or digital subscription when you use promo code ITBR50. To learn more about submitting an article for the GNLR, Visit their writer's guidelines. The link is located at the bottom of their homepage. And if you have any questions, email Stephen Hemrick. That's S-T-E-P-H-E-N dot H-E-M-R-I-C-K at glreview.org. The GNLR and its readers can't wait to see what you have to say. On January 4th, 2010, a Herkdestad professor named Ronald Jansen was arrested in connection to the murder of his young neighbors. He would not only confess to these crimes, but to another murder and to at least five rapes in which he is suspected of committing 20 more. Ronald Allen, or Aline, it's A-L-A-I-N, because we know I suck at pronouncing things, Jansen was born on February 6, 1971, in Borsum, Belgium. His father was a minor, whose name I could not find anywhere, but I could find his mother. Her name was Hilda, and she was a housekeeper. He's one of four children, but I honestly could not find anything more about his siblings or really a lot about his early life. 
But the things that were spoken about him and, you know, these early years were that he had a lisp that he was bullied for in school. Sadly, Ronald's father was abusive. Jansen was terrified of him, so much so that it caused him to develop insomnia that persisted throughout his life. Now, allegedly, he attempted to kill his father, who was diabetic, by ejecting him with a liquid, you know, instead of insulin, basically cutting slash withholding the insulin from his father. Now, Jansen, thankfully, did have a strong relationship with his mother. And when Hilda eventually divorced Jansen's father, he and the three other children chose to live with her. Jansen went on to study at universities in Hasselet and Leuven. That's actually, coincidentally, where my sister studied when she studied abroad. She studied in Leuven. It's partially why I picked this case. Shout out to my sis. And in 1993, he graduated as an industrial engineer with distinction. So I'm guessing that's kind of like the equivalent to... Like what we have, like when you graduate with honors or some cum laude or, you know, all of those things. That same year, he actually met his future wife, a woman named Natalie. Three years later, the couple, married at this point, I'm deducing, moved to a town called Genk or Genk. They both found jobs there, but in 1998, Jansen decided to change careers from being a technical and production manager to a high school teacher where he taught mechanics and computer science. In mid-2000, Jensen, his wife, and their two daughters moved to Locksbergen. Much like his siblings, um, I couldn't find really any information about when his daughters were born. Um, It just says that he has two daughters, but you know. Just as well. Keep them them out of this. They don't need to be associated with this man. For reasons, you know, we'll get into. Now in Luxbergen, Jansen took up a job as a professor, I believe, for a college. I'm not 100% though. There, though, he taught computer science, economics, technology, and applied mechanics. In 2006... Natalie took the girls and filed for a divorce from Jansen for reasons I could not find. But, you know, thankfully she took herself and the girls away from him and, you know, don't have to be associated with him anymore. Now, at this time, some of the neighbors started to notice that Jansen would be walking around alone late at night. Hi, this is Dr. Andrew Rimby, and I'm so excited to shout out the Gay and Lesbian Review, who is helping to sponsor the ITBR podcast. For all of you out there, the Gay and Lesbian Review is a bi-monthly magazine where you can discover new things about gay and lesbian literature, history, and culture. And the GL Review publishes essays in a wide range of disciplines, as well as a slew of reviews of books, plays, and movies, and a number of special features, such as artist profiles and their popular art memo column. Each issue of the magazine brings you consistently intelligent, lively, thought-provoking articles focused on a unifying theme. For example, their September-October issue centers on the theme Cracking the Closet. 
So starting in the 19th century, a number of artists and writers found ways to crack the closet by expressing their sexuality between the lines or in the interstices of their work. For example, Ignacio Darnad, who is a friend of the ITBR podcast, he's been on our show, writes all about illustrator J.C. Leyendecker, whose work for Ivory Soap and Arrow Collars gave him plenty of opportunities to draw pictures of well-dressed and at times scantily dressed American men. And you also can find an article by Vernon Rosario, who has been on the podcast, and he talks about the quest for sex in the Middle Ages. So to subscribe, visit glreview.org. That's G-L-R-E-V-I-E-W.org. Click subscribe. So on their website, go all the way over to the right-hand side, and you'll see the button subscribe. Click subscribe and enter the promo code ITBR50 because you're getting 50% off your subscription to the print or digital edition of the Gay and Lesbian Review magazine. I can't wait for you all to have your copy of the Gay and Lesbian Review magazine and make sure that you take a picture when your magazine arrives or when you're reading it online and tag the GL Review on Instagram and ITBR and we'll share it out in our stories. Enjoy your reading, everyone. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Andrew Rimby, and I am so excited to be talking about Broadview Press. You might be asking, what is Broadview Press, Andrew? Broadview is an independent academic publisher in the humanities that produces high-quality, pedagogically useful books for use in university and college classrooms. They publish in the humanities, mainly English studies, writing, philosophy, and history, just to name a few genres. And recently, I had on Dr. Jason Holt, who wrote all about the philosophy of sport. And what better summer episode than to talk about what happens when a philosopher dissects the beautiful aesthetics of sporting culture? In the spring, I had on doctors Kyle Stedman and Tanya Rodriguez to talk about what is sound writing, how to make audio projects in the college classroom, how to even have your students create podcasts. And then in the winter, I had on Dr. Dr. Jeffrey Weinstock. He talked about analyzing pop culture. Yes, I even sneak in some Real Housewives questions and how to teach composition and make it fun. He uses this whole metaphor about being a mad scientist in this gothic lab. And in the fall, I had on Dr. Ann Stevens and she talked about literary theory and criticism. And yes, the university season is upon us. So what better way to talk about the college classroom than to actually understand what is literary theory? That's a wonderful episode for all of you out there who teach literary studies. I love Broadview Press. Make sure you use their exclusive code. It's Ivory Tower on broadviewpress.com. You get 20% off all, all Broadview Press publications. Okay, until the next Broadview Press interview. And now back to the Ivory Tower boiler room. Imagine that you're riding the Turner classic movie, Great Movie Ride, in Hollywood Studios. It's in the 1990s. As you're journeying through the Great Movie Ride, you pass the Wizard of Oz, where all of a sudden you see the Wicked Witch of the West ascend into Munchkinland in a cloud of smoke and flames. Well, 
that's the memory I have with the great movie ride in classic cinema when I was at Disney in the 1990s as a young boy. And ever since that, I was hooked on classic cinema. Well, my friend Christian Garcia, friend of the Ivory Tower Boiler Room, has a podcast that you all are going to love. It's called That Old Gay Classic Cinema, and he looks at queer themes in classic cinema, like Vertigo, The Wizard of Oz, Sleeping Beauty, Mary Poppins, 101 Dalmatians, Hello Dolly, the list can go on and on and on. So follow him on Instagram at That Old Gay Classic Cinema. You can listen to his podcast on Apple and Spotify. And he also is on the premiere episode of our Queer as Folk podcast, where I'm re-watching every episode of Queer as Folk from 2000. And the episodes come out bi-weekly. So make sure you listen to his episode with me. And he's launching a rewatch show of Smash, where they're putting on a Marilyn Monroe musical. So he's going to be joined by co-hosts, a lot who are in the Broadway and theater industry, and I'm going to be on his first episode. So without further ado, get listening to That Old Gay Classic Cinema. Enjoy. Hi, everyone. Happy almost holiday season. Because the holidays are upon us, I'm sure so many of you out there are thinking, oh my, what am I going to get my friends, my family, my children, my romantic partner, my husband, my wife, any, you know, significant person in your life. Look no further than my good friend, Mandy Bangle, who makes handmade crocheted items. Her company is called Mandy Made It. You can follow her on Instagram at M-A-N-D-E-E Made It. And you will see all of these crocheted items that she's going to be able to customize for you, including special characters, sports team figures, even holiday items like a snowflake or a Christmas tree. So I have Mandy's keychains. I have the poison apple from Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. I have a rainbow um, flag that she made me. So Mandy is able to really customize an order just depending on what your hobbies and passions are. And you know, what item you're really looking for. So because you're listening to me talk about Mandy, she said that anyone who goes to Mandy Made It on Instagram and orders from her, and they've heard the Ivory Tower Boiler Room ad, she will give you all a free Ivory Tower Boiler Room t-shirt with your order. So head right now to Mandy Made It. You know, if you were really looking for that special gift, now you don't have to Look any further because I have you covered with Mandy Mated. Okay, I hope you all enjoy your items from Mandy Mated. And please make sure that you take a photo of your crocheted items so that we can share it out on our social media. I know Mandy would love that, and I would love to see what you all are ordering from her. She even has an adorable pillow called Netflix and Chill, and she has these cute coasters that she crochets for your favorite coffee or tea mug. So enjoy all your Mandy Made It products. On April 27, 2007, Jensen kidnapped Anique Van Oostel, an 18-year-old resident of Deist, or Deist, who was riding home on her bike that night. Jensen threatened Anique with a knife and forced her into his home. After hours of imprisonment in his cellar, and also suspected torture, 
Jansen bludgeoned Anique with a hammer. He then held her head underwater to ensure her death. Jansen then got 14 and a half kilos of stones, or roughly 32 pounds, the number's actually like 31.96, and tied them to her body to weigh her down and disposed of her in the Albert Canal. At some point, Anique's mother had called her, and this call gave police a specific area to, you know, work in. They were able to interview 4,000 men between the ages of 35 and 40. Jansen somehow managed to slip through the cracks and go completely undetected. Police and volunteers searched in droves for Anique, sadly with no success. Helicopters were also called to, you know, assist in the search. On May 3rd, 2007, Anique's body was found in the Albert Canal in Lumen. Months later, her bike was found in Leuven, repainted a different color. On January 2nd, 2010, Jansen met up with his neighbor, an 18-year-old, Shanna Appleton, and her boyfriend, 22-year-old, Kevin Paulus. The two had just returned home from a coffee shop late that night when Janice knocked on their door, brandishing a gun and flammable liquid. Jansen forced the couple into their Opal Corsa, which is a little four-door kind of hatchback type of car. He forced Kevin to drive. Jansen then rode shotgun while a terrified Shanna sat in the back seat. Jansen ordered Kevin to pull over near a path and shot them both several times to death. He returned home and burned his bloodstained clothes in the oven and then scattered the ashes in a nearby ditch. He then disposed of the gun in a river called the Demmer. Now, I'm not sure when he did this, but at some point he did set the car on fire. And the fire department got a call at around 2.43. And just because of where, like, we're in Belgium, I'm assuming that's 2.43 in the morning, not in the afternoon. An autopsy of the couple ruled that this was a double homicide. Police were able to gather enough evidence to arrest Jensen and did so two days later. While in custody, Jensen confessed to the murders of Shannon and Kevin and to also the rape of Shannon. Jensen also admitted to three additional rapes that he claims he committed while he was studying in Leuven, but could not remember specific names or dates. However, he did provide gruesome details. He then went on to confess an additional five rapes, but is suspected of raping 20 total. His crime spree spanned nine years between 2001 and 2011. The trial for the murders of Anique, Shannon, and Kevin began on September 20th, 2011. A month later, the court jury found Ronald Jensen guilty of all three murders, kidnapping, and rape with torture. On October 21, 2011, 
Jansen was sentenced to life imprisonment. The following year, Jansen was back in court. This time, he was facing charges of rape, sexual assault with a weapon, several attempted murder charges, and acts of torture and barbarities charges. Altogether, it was around a dozen charges. He was found guilty, but he faced no additional time because he was already given life imprisonment. So I guess in Belgium, their justice system does not add anything after life. Um, But, you know, he was found guilty of those charges and convicted. So there is justice in that way, I guess. So... You know, that is all I have for you this week, my loves. I hope you all enjoy your weekend and, you know, relax, get in the holiday spirit, watch some holiday movies, you know, maybe decorate. I don't know. I'm wrapping presents. I'm so excited. That's my favorite thing to do this time of year. Don't forget to follow True Crime and Academia on social media. We're at True Crime and Academia on Instagram, TikTok, and Threads, and at TC in Academia on X. If you would like to listen to this episode ad-free or to get access to the bonus episodes, go to patreon.com slash ivorytowerboilerroom and subscribe today. Until next time, my loves, I will see you all later. All right, my true crime friends, that is all I have for you this week. Don't forget to follow True Crime and Academia on social media. On Instagram, TikTok, and threads, we are at True Crime and Academia. And on X, formerly known as Twitter, we are at TC in Academia. T is in Tom, C is in Charlie in Academia. Also, do not forget to like rate, subscribe, and follow on whichever platform you are listening to this podcast. It helps us in the end of the day, or not in, at the end of the day. And, you know, if you could also go to patreon.com slash ivorytowerboilerroom and subscribe that way and buy me a cup of coffee once a month, that would also be great as well. Whatever you can do, though, my loves, I understand this economy sucks but until next week my loves i will see you all later